Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my surly, wet, robe-wearing, flirtatious young lady and co-host, Alex Dandino. (laughs) I mean, you're technically more of a Keanu, but I thought that would be I was going to do a voice, and then I decided, you know what? Don't do it. Just roll with it. Let me tell you something, white guys in 2020. If you're on the edge of doing a voice and you're not 100% confident, always walk away from that impression. Walk the fuck away. All right, guys. uh, Thank you for joining us, as always. Please take a second and leave a rating and review wherever you find the show. It helps us out way more than I can even express to you, especially on Apple Podcast app, guys. So for those of you that have been doing that, thank you. Please keep it coming. Please share with your friends. Uh, You can find us on any of the socials that you're on, uh, especially on Twitter, at Film Alchemist, the number one. Uh, If you have any ideas for things you'd like to hear us talk about, guest co-hosts, double features, anything, uh, we want to hear what you guys are watching and what you want to hear us talk about. Please. You can email the show, uh, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. And if you want to see the voices or the face that makes these voices, the face from which these voices explode, uh, you can find our YouTube, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. All right, guys. The pod is still captive. Help! We're trapped. The pod's been bound and tied. Uh, We're held. I hope you guys enjoyed Misery. That was our first uh, pod captivity show. Uh, Today, I am so fucking excited about this movie. I, I must say... I love the film Knock Knock, uh, starring Keanu Reeves, directed by Eli Roth. I love this movie. And when I saw that this is a four point something on IMDb, I was furiously mad. It's it's, I, weird, it's, it's right? one of those classic movies because you're like, what movie did you think you were going to watch? And what does this movie not do that you hoped it would do? Right. Well, it's weird because had like, you seen like- this before, Alex? Yeah, I had seen it. Um, it was on, I mean, it's been on Netflix for a while. It was on right. Prime for a little bit. But, I mean, I've seen it uh, a couple of times, actually. I think what's interesting, first off, I didn't know until I actually did the research. This is a remake. And actually, like, the first legit remake of a movie from 1977 called Death Game. Well, then there's also, like, an erotica remake, right? <laughs> yeah, which apparently is not the true remake. This is, like, legitimately taking beat-for-beat, beat like, story parts. And actually, yeah. even involve um, the woman who plays Vivian uh, in the movie, Colleen Camp, is one of the original girls from the original yeah. movie. Yeah, that's um, awesome. This movie, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like, the things that I have problems with in this movie are so, like, not problems and it's weird yeah. to me that it's like 4.7 because to me that is just like actively not understanding the movie you're supposed yeah. to be watching. That says specifically that the vast majority of people didn't enjoy their time and think this movie missed the mark and I think that's absolutely absurd. Well, it's like it's kind of this it's the way I look at it is it's it's the movie I uh like my mom would be excited to say like hey, do you want to watch this movie with me, yeah. right? Because it's, it's a thriller, but it's a little tra- – you know what I mean? It's this totally. super version of the Lifetime movie, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but it's just – yeah, it's just kind of trashy, good fun, and it's – you know, it's a really good, thrilling film to me. I, I, I don't understand what – because, I mean, it's got a surprisingly great cast. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand what this movie is lacking that people want. I feel like the things that 
I feel like this is a matter of um, misconception. Like people, yeah. people's pre- uh, preconceived notions walking into this are Eli Roth, Keanu Reeves. You're like, okay, right. cool. So, <laughs> knock knock. Eli Roth, Keanu Reeves. Eli Roth's movies include Cabin Fever and Hostel. Like, and I, I think right. 2015 had he done the, the Green, Green Inferno. In- was the Green yeah. Infer- <laughs> had the Green Inferno come out, or was that after? This? I think so. I think this was before that, but yeah. Because I know the woman. Uh, I know the woman uh, Lorenza is uh, the woman. A uh, woman who's not Anna De Armas is his wife. So, oh really? I didn't know that. Okay. So this is one of those really fascinating movies where I feel like people walk in thinking one thing, and the movie is movie's serious, takes itself seriously enough. Yeah. But, like, if you're not going to get on board for what I would equate to being, like, superb campiness in some regard, yeah, then you're totally missing the point of this movie. Because this is – it's a one <laughs> it's a one and done. Like, it's a great it's – a, it's a hundred minutes. It's tight. It's fun. And it's really, really weird. And if you're not going to be on also, board with that from the jump, I don't really think this is the movie for you. Yeah, for sure. And I take a little bit of umbrage with people saying shit like that because – if you have a wife and kids, this movie's fucking terrifying. Oh, this movie is fu- <laughs> Yeah, this is a whole nother level. It actually level. gave me anxiety watching it. Cause I, I just kept, was like, can you fucking imagine this? <laughs> like, it was, because this is, oh, yeah. we'll get into, like, kind of the, the setup. I will say this, this falls into this kind of, like, hidden genre that I love, which is, uh, what can I just start fights with my wife over? <laughs> Right? Like, there are just movies. Like, here's a good one, right? Like, uh, one of my wife's favorite song is The Love Song by The Cure. Oh, God. Sure-fired way to start a fight with your wife is to tell her that Robert Smith definitely wrote that song to the person he's having an affair with. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you back? Yeah. Okay, I got you. Here, I'm going to... All right. I just so, yeah. love song. Yeah, so he was having an affair with... But that's the thing, right? So so she hears that and gets furious. She's like, no, love is in the title. It's to the woman he loves. I'm like, hey, man, if he really loved his wife that much and was writing this song for her, why is he hiding all these things he wishes he could say? Why is he acting? In a, you know, and then my wife's like, you're ruining a thing that I love and means this to me. This movie's a great example of me and my wife after every scene kind of looking at each other. And I'm like, come on, did Keanu deserve right. that? And she's like, are you kidding? <laughs> this is again, this is another yeah, this is a great movie about this is a great movie that it's interesting. So you're saying love song. Mine is always the Pina Colada song because no one actually <laughs> listens to the lyrics in that song. It is about the two biggest pieces of shit in the world trying to cheat on each other and they're so bad at it, they end up cheating with each other. Can so, you imagine having an affair with someone that willingly orders pina coladas? That's a dark song. <laughs> that is a dark song. But this, no, I did that same thing. When I proposed to my wife, I karaoke. It's a long story I won't get into, but I went up on a karaoke stage to like serenade her. And in my drunken stupor, I chose Angie by the Rolling Stones. Ooh. So now that's tied to a, the you know beginning of our marital journey. That song's definitely about uh, breakup and or your spouse dying. Yes. Like 100%. But this is one of those, this movie's so designed for the man to be like, come on. I know he like smashed a little bit in your marital bed. Yeah. But like, come on. Come on. This is. And then my wife's like, what do you, th- he's getting exactly what he deserves because, and, and I, again, I, it, it is the brilliant thing of the film is I don't believe, like when Keanu freaks out, he's like, death? death? You're like, that I feel like is the reaction, but. You fucking 
let the demons in. It'd be like watching a Ouija board movie yeah. and being really sad that they're now being attacked by demons. It's like, you right. fucking played with the board. Well, what do you yeah, want? I mean, it's a peculiar thing because <laughs> he. I, I, this is like the weird, this is the weirdness of this movie. And the thing that always kind of like is like kind of grading against the edge of what I think is otherwise a really smooth ride in this flick is that the casting of Keanu Reeves is so weird. Because yes. the dialogue is first off, he is not an actor who's like meant for like heavy dialogue, and he's pretty much in every scene of this movie. It's a three hander, yeah. and he has to be in almost every scene. He's not a dialogue actor, and it's weird because he has. I mean, we're you know we'll get to it, but like there are bits in this movie where we're like, this is another actor's part. Like I don't understand why. Yeah. He just seems it's it's he seems oddly out of place and he's great. Like I don't mean to say that Keanu Reeves is not good, but he seems oddly out of place for a movie like this that does what it does. He fits the opening of the movie much better than the ending. Yeah. Like I was telling you this movie is prime Nicolas Cage territory. Oh, totally. Like you watch this movie and you're like this is a Nicolas Cage joint. The problem being is that it's hard to believe that that opening isn't just wildly creepy yeah with Nicolas Cage like trying not to have sex with the two girls like Nicolas Cage is gonna come off way more creepy right. well, in those I think, moments well yeah like and I mean not to again we love Nicolas Cage on this show that's no secret but yeah I think like the Nicolas Cage animal magnetism would sort of like it would go the wrong direction because the conversation we're having and the one we were having before the show, because I had the same one with my wife. Like I watched the movie with her and she was like, she was like, like every like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And then like we were talking and I'm like, I think Griffey and I are going to make an argument that Keanu Reeves did not deserve such, such vile treatment. And she goes, (laughs) and she literally looked at me. She goes, yeah, good luck with that. I don't think you're going to win, but you know, yeah. Amy gave me the same thing. I was I was doing a test flight. They call it a test pattern, right? And like right. a new airplane. You got to see if it can like handle winds and shit. And I was like, let me just float this little bird out that did Keanu do anything wrong? <laughs> Shot down immediately. That's a right. crash and burn scenario. I mean, but, like, uh- <laughs> like, here, like, I'm like my wife's Guatemalan. Like, I know for a fact if this happened to me, like, I know I would send the girls away immediately. I'd be like, nope, no, nope, get out of the fuck out of my house. Get out of here right now. Get well, out. That's, yeah, there, there is a universe in this movie where it's sweet mercy that those girls got to him first. Yeah. Right? Like, like, there are some of us whose wives, you'd be like, I think it'd be worse if my wife, like, oh my caught God. me. My wife caught but me, no, I'd I mean, be murdered. Back to the Nicolas Cage thing, though. Did you ever, can you imagine if he had done it right? Like, he becomes the creepy predator you know it's weird and then the movie is they go back home and they're like we got to get back for finals and Nicolas cage is like showing up in their classrooms <laughs> that's the version of that's this it. movie if you cast Nic- Nicolas cage version is like reverse fatal attraction yeah that's perfect yeah i like, I like that yeah. but it's funny because i think keanu reeves is a really good evan at the start right because there is this watching him like try to do dad dialogue is so weird Oh yeah, when he's like on the, his whole thing he's on the too, where he's like, "I'm a monster," oh! and you're like, oh. "Like he's not," and he's like, "Did you pack the bomb in the chainsaw, Bogue?" And you're like, "Oh boy," but it kind of works because you're like, "What is Keanu really in this movie?" Right? Right. This super fucking hip, smooth douchebag. Yeah. Right. He's like, "All right, I just love vinyl." Oh, I used to be a DJ. Of course you fucking did, Evan. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like, of course you did, right? right. Your wife makes terrible art, and you guys are overly rich. And, you know, you get it. You're like, he's – but that's who he was, right? And I think that's an important part of this is because you're setting up the fact that while he seems like he's a good guy right now and he's, you know – He's there as a dad, and his family loves him. Right. You get the sense that there is this douche Evan from the past that is waiting to erupt, right? Well, and we set these little minds, like his family leaving him on Father's Day, and, you know, him and his wife were about to fuck. But right. I love the opening, too, because they have, like, that classic, like, rich white people house, right? Oh, yeah. And then they cut into the bedroom, and they're trying to fuck on Father's Day. But, like, his back hurts. Like, they hurt each other. They're both wearing, like, their old frumpy pajamas. And you're just like, man, how relatable is that? Yeah. How relatable is that moment where it's like, oh, this is one of those things we're supposed to get up for. But, you know, like, like it's it's something that bothers me in movies when people in movies just roll over in the morning. And they wake up and like, let's make out and fuck. And it's like, oh, gross. I'm going to put my tongue in that disgusting cesspool of a mouth. <laughs> like people don't brush their teeth before they hit. But that's like old people shit. You know what I mean? But like, No, but that's like, so that's what it is. It's a brilliant though. setup. Like, you see this movie like this movie came out in 2015 and I think about who I was yeah. in 2015 versus who I am now like this is what's great about knock knock in general is that over time if you see it a certain time and you see it another time your your like the way your brain works changes mm. based on who you're relating to like no one I'm assuming relates to uh Lorenza Izzo and uh Ana de Armas Unless you're a sociopath, within that case, that's yeah, fine. I feel like people like that probably don't watch movies. They're out like actually, living lives. They're they, actually they doing become this. movie characters. Yeah, like they're doing crazy people. So like, things. it's interesting because like <laughs> you're watching you're watching Evan through different lenses. So like when you're maybe in your early twenties, you're like still going out, you're partying and everything like that. You're watching you're like, oh fuck, that guy got fucked. What an idiot! How could you let that happen to you? And then so like you're you're saying there's a crowd that watched this. You're like. Tap that ass, Evan! Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do it! There's a thousand percent a bro with, like, an upside-down uh, uh, visor drinking a Four loco. When is like... he watching this in 1996? Oh, no, those those things lasted. I, I went to school in They're San Diego. I saw that a lot. Um, but, yeah, like... <laughs> once, you, once you start down the dark path of the upside-down visor, forever no, will it dominate forever your Forever will it dominate your destiny. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. No, but, I, but this is... What I love about this, though, is I really think the first act of this movie is as near flawless as you can get, right? Mm -hmm. Keanu's, like, weird stilted Evan performance works perfectly for me. Oh, yeah. It's good. Because when they leave and he's alone in his house just, like, smoking weed and using a 3D printer and listening to Kiss vinyls, I was like, yeah, I know that guy. And that guy definitely thinks his dick is a gift to other people. Sure. Like, I know that guy. I know that world, right? And so you're like, all right, I'm with you on this journey. But then they do, I love, as we talked about this in a text thread, we were having a furious text thing as we're watching this, right? This movie's big give, right? And we talk about this. It's kind of like an unwritten rule of screenwriting is that there's one big thing the audience has to forgive you to make the movie work, right? right? Like, that's not how it, ha well, you got to give me one. And then the rest of it should make sense based off that logic tree, right? Right. And I told you, I was like, could you fucking imagine being such a lucky, rich, white guy that two girls show up in the middle of the night, right when your wife has gone to the beach, soaking wet, asking to, like, use your dryer and play in your house, or squeezing your hard muscles and talking about, you know, like, just seducing you, right? Like, just giving you compliments. Yeah. 
Like, I, I'm a 35-year-old man, and the amount of compliments I get is not enormous, right? Like, it's just, you know, my wife said the compliments she needs for, like, a baseline, and we're done with that part of our relationship. Yeah. It's always like, can you imagine being such, like, just a – your life is so good that you're like, of course this happened to me. Right. <laughs> this is totally a natural thing. Because that's what I was telling. I would immediately be like, how much did my wife pay you to send you? Right. Or her – or her uh, assistant. Like I would I would smell a setup immediately. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's like the I mean yeah, like that's the interesting thing is the give in this movie is literally the premise. Like the yeah. give is the entirety but, of the film. But I think they do a really good job of making it believable that that happened. Sure. Yeah, like nothing. I, this is what me and Amy were debating during the movie is I was like, all right, so what happens if you had like a nanny cam? Right. And you see them like following me from couch to couch. And Keanu keeps jumping couch to couch, right? He's trying to give some space. Yeah. But also he's like, you know, he's not like shy per se. He's kind of flirting a little. Oh, no, he's flirting. And I was like, what if you what if you turned on the nanny cam? And all of a sudden, I've slid back into you know early two thousands, Josh, and I put on a tattoo album, and I'm like, and like you know the girls dancing in your robe, and we're like pretty close to grinding, but then the Uber call arrives and they leave, and she's like, oh, you'd still be in deep shit. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, how the fuck would I get in trouble? Because you're for chivalrously saving these women, and I was, you know, of course, I'm like playing. This is one of those arguments right. where you're like, I know I'm wrong, right. but I'm going to see where this leads. Well, it's a, it's a, it's the double down theory. Like, if you double down enough, eventually you'll be right. Like, that's like the whole point. Like, that's like the that mean, is the, uh, the that is the essence theory. of like decent marriage conversations is doubling down hard enough until you like either you you like you can find a way to be right or you look so ridiculous arguing it that like your significant yeah. other just goes, oh, that's just them. And they move on with their day because otherwise you go into this other branch where like you actually <laughs> ruin that other person and yeah. uh, they never want to talk to you again, which is not great. Right. But but that's what I asked her. I was like, where is the line on this? I'm like, so should I let them in the door? I was like, let's say in the imaginary world of the Griffey household, they go to wherever they would go. Right. And I'm just at home writing a screenplay that no one will ever read and in my underwear playing Xbox and shit. Right. And right. these girls come in, they're like, oh, what's up? Oh, your, your hair and your beard. And, oh, man, you're slightly overweight. That revs me up. And I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, dad bod. Like, perfect. Getting, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is getting hot and here, hot and here, right? And I'm like, this could happen. It's go time, right? So I was like, all right, Amy, walk me through, like, where are the boundaries? I was like, should I let them in the door? And she's like, maybe. I'm like, I should let them stay on the porch so they catch pneumonia? She's like, all right, let them in the house. I'm like, all right, can they use our dryer? And she's like, no. Can they use our towels? Maybe I'm like, what if I give them a towel and I turn around and they're already naked under the towel? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, see, so this is the problem. Mm. Evan has walked into a literal his house became Pandora's box. He didn't realize he was inside because <laughs> it's and that's the thing the girls say at the end. I love right is they're like, we thought you were going to be the one who said no, Evan. And then the other girl says uh, they never say no. Right. You know, and there, there is this thing when you're married where it's you understand that that massive temptation. I'm assuming, right? Because being monogamous and being in a marriage, like, it takes a lot of work. And I think in today's world, it's easy to just say, "This isn't perfect. Fuck it. I'll walk away." Right. I don't know. I don't know what Evan should have done. I mean, I think Evan should have. I know what he should not have done. 
Well, here's the problem is like, and this is the part that I think this is where the logic of the movie works very well is that Evan technically didn't start it. Like, so here's what happened. Evan. <laughs> I also did a test pattern on that argument. Doesn't land. Well, well not, not, not didn't start that. I mean, basically. So think right. of it this way though. Like the logic follows this, like, okay, let's say. We'll, we'll reverse this. Let's say it was. Let's say it's Alex. He's uh, sitting. In, he's sitting in his underwear, playing Xbox, doing yeah. his thing, write, writing comics and screenplays. No one's ever going to read. Knock on the door. Two very hot women are soaked. You're like, oh, cool. I feel like the line. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, great. <laughs> I feel like the line would be as soon as they left the like foyer area. That's like where I'm like, you got to go like that to me because you have like a foyer rule. Well, that's got to be it. Like, you can't. Like, what are they going to do? Sit and soak your carpet? Well, it's like vampires, man. You don't invite the vampires in. You have, like, vampires need to. Like, that's like the whole thing. So, but basically, if you let a vampire into your foyer, you're still getting drank. You're still getting drank, but nevertheless. In you don't this, let them even into the foyer. You, you, yeah, well, that's beside the point. Like, let's say the foyer is outside. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a mystical foyer boundary. <laughs> I like this. That should be a rule. You know what I'm talking about. Though. Anyone can step into a but like, foyer. The girls. So and th- this is a this is the thing I love about this movie too is they do this great like and this is I feel like this is a really common trope in erotic thrillers is the follow cam with the like essential victim, so to speak, because uh, <laughs> like the camera follows Keanu. It never follows the girls. It always follows Keanu. Like so he goes to get the stuff and you know they're like oh fuck he's gonna come back and they're gonna be gone they're gonna be doing some fuck they're gonna be naked who knows instead they're sitting in like that you know like living room kitchen area and she's like it's warmer in here and you're like that is fucking bullshit this room this house is full of windows it's not warmer anywhere like they're also dancing to his i'm like you touch my records yeah see that's a vinyl hipster that immediately didn't draw the line at record touching yeah well that's like that like if if, but this is the thing if a girl was in our house it was a girl was in our house and like started like leafing through comics you'd be like get out i did not say you could do that (laughs) get your fucking shit (laughs) get back out of that pneumonia (laughs) you get pneumonia and die i don't want to see you ever again like that's like it's so but no i love that i love that too the way it follows keanu's way it's a really cool inversion of the camera, right? Which is, we think we're watching him in this predatory sense, right? Like he's watching these young nubile bodies, right? You know, like oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna c- collect them, right? Even in his like good routine, you're there still is this predatory vibe of Keanu, right? But what that camera is is where like oh shit, we're gonna catch your ass, right? The camera lens is predatory, as Keanu is kind of predatory. I don't know, it's. It's strange, but I i mean, it's just really well written and played out, right? There's a lot of, oh, he mentions the wife and then they start talking and, you know, they it feels like they give him a lot of outs. They do. Right? They do give him the opportunity. And the fatal to fall, bend. I'm telling you when he goes down, right? Because everyone would say when they go down, he goes down. I think that's not right. I think it's when he slips into DJ Evan. Yeah. Once the moment start- he's DJ Evan, now he's trying to to play uh, a fantasy of sorts, yeah. right? Once you're by the DJing, time he goes to the bathroom, he already is doing the, you know, the new uh, hot trend in adult videos, as I hear from other people, is uh, stepbrothers and stepmoms and whatever. And it's always like, oh, no, my dad's going to find out. Or, oh, our parents are going to find out. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the level of fight Keanu puts up. He's like, no, no, we shouldn't. I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, see. And what- then it's just, it's on. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, once you start, uh, once you start that shit, that's no, no. Then, then you're you're but once he once he slipped into DJ Evan and right, he did that utilizing first, a skill. Wiki. You're utilizing a skill that you might have already had, utilizing a skill that you thought that originally got you laid. Like think about it. Like DJs get yeah. laid all the time. That's exactly what that is. Like you're crossing a line simply because you're participating in a way yes. that would have automatically gotten you girls when you were younger before you had a child before you had a wife before you had uh the nice house the nice life so really the other cool trick in that that little sequence too is that they knock directly before he can light up his bowl mm. so he doesn't even have the i was high excuse right he's just very fucking, well done yeah he's just fucked i mean man. but that's what i what i like is that we all know you're like you shouldn't do it and as you watch this unfold you're like fuck i'm like could you imagine like the wife, the kids, everything. It's so fucking scary. But also you're like, it's its really believable, right? Because, I mean, that's just the thing. It's like, it, that's thats the Pandora. When he opens the door, right? It's like he's, he's it's this kind of inverse Pandora's box. And it's, that temptation is omnipresent for everyone, I think. And he just gets trapped. And then they just launch into this like, very intense sex scene. Yeah. It's, <laughs> very wildly intense. It's a lot. <laughs> but it has to be, right? Because this is what the movie's saying is even if you're because this is like you said it you said it earlier, right? Is he's not the one who went out looking for it. So this is a little different than Fatal Attraction or even something like Hard Candy, these kind of movies where it's right. you are punished for an in, uh transgression, right? He didn't go out looking for it. Right. So he had to be lured, you know, in kind of a more simplistic way. Right. And to show the sex is so insanely wild, you know, and performative, that is the that's the that's how you reach the guy who's like I would never do that. And you're like you've had the fantasy. Everyone's had the fantasy. That like yeah. there's still that one last great like movie sex romp in your future. Right. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is something I was going to ask you. I do you think there's a version of this where it doesn't have as bad of an ending? Because they let they let him go all the way through with it. Right. And wake up with him the next day. Right. If he wakes up and is like, mellow, could this have gone another way? Well, mellow in what way? Like, he was, like, tolerating them being there? Yeah, he's just like, what's up, guys? He walks in and has, like, some of the Cheerios and just, like, goes and does his job. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, that's not really <laughs> probably the, not. Right. I think it would have probably gone the same way because that's not quite the game they're playing. Like, like I, this is what because it reminds me of like uh, the two movies that I thought about mostly when we were watching when I was watching this was like funny games and then like the back half of Fatal Attraction. This has a lot of yeah. funny games to it. Funny games. Very much. Well, this movie has a couple of those weird hanging threads, right? Right. Where they mentioned two or three things. And the movie just never comes back to it, right? Right. So one is, why was Keanu selected, right? And they say, oh, we tried all your neighbors. Right. You're like, there's no way they went all the way up and down that hill and found them, right? And then you're right. like, well, his wife mentioned that maybe he had been flirtatious at a restaurant earlier. Maybe there's some kind of trap there where they, like, tag you. Uh, when they kill the assistant, right, which is a real fucking right turn in the movie. Yeah. When they're throwing his bot, his paper mache body, oh god, 
in the back of that van, they go, oh, Ronnie's going to have a hard time with this one. Oh, he can make anything disappear. Right. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, now there's just this whole. Yeah, there is like. like I mean, I think. Criminal sub it. Well, yeah, like, I think there are movies that. I mean, that's the kind of movie that sort of. I mean, it's the same way I felt when I watched Funny Games. Like, Funny Games is one of those movies that all of the pieces seem like they're all there. And you're curious why these people aren't just like trying to run out of the house, trying to escape, so on and so forth. But again, you also realize that the movie's a total fantasy anyways because they break the fourth wall a lot. And there's there's a lot of that aspect to it. But if you take all that out, it's sort of the same idea of a home invasion where it's just – it's the pe- it's the stranger you didn't know you it's the stranger you didn't know you needed to know at this point. So oh yeah, like to well, me- they, they even have that thread too where this was one of the weirdest ones. I didn't know if you caught it why it is, but they do the they say the ah monster scared. They use his intimate like inside joke with his family against him. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you've been fucking spying on me, and then we just like wash over it. We never figured out because there was a moment where i wondered if because funny games struck in my mind too where i was like is this fantastical in a way because there's the the shirt at the end she's wearing right the tank top says it was all a dream yeah earlier when they first like chain him up right after they come back and beat his ass they write uh this is not not a dream dream." on yeah yeah and so i wondered when he dropped them off in the car right and he's like get the fuck out of here and he comes back to his house and he's trying to work, and he, he's cleaned up the house, and he hears the sound, right, in the dark house. He goes out and sees the broken family picture. Right. I was like, is that where it shifts, maybe? And they're giving us leeway, but I just don't think this movie plays in a fantastic manner. I mean, it doesn't, but there are elements of it that I thought were very, like, the um, I think they trashed the house. I thought that was really fascinating. Like, the house was destroyed. Like, There's things written on the kids' pictures and that kind of thing. And that was where I was like, there is some, like, pathos to this in a way. Like, there is some internal monologue almost. Like, when you look at the house, like, like, I don't know why they would, like, dismantle and destroy the entire house. Like, the best, like, one of my favorites is (laughs) when they're, like, uh, vandalizing her art. I was like, how can you tell? But nevertheless, like. (laughs) I thought the same thing, too. Like. (laughs) When that guy ran out to die to protect her sculpture as they're, like, hammering it, I'm like, that piece of art sucks. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. And I was like, the kind of people that would pay large amounts of money for that suck. But like, I was like, that was, like, my favorite guy in the movie. He was pretty chill because I love how he's, like, all buttoned up assistant. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm from Oakland. I know a couple of hoes. <laughs> and he, he gets all hardcore. I was like, yes, this guy's not going to take the shit, right? Like, this is the guy, right? He's, he's just a no-nonsense whatever. Right. And I was like, he dies because of a combination of asthma and terrible art. It like it hurt. That death hurt. But that's it was so like, unnecessary. Well, and that's like that's the part where and see his death is so oddly convenient. It's like, oh, well, of course yes. he dies of asthma. Like that's like it's those things that are like yeah. kind of like because there's campy and then there's the level of campy that I'm not willing to accept. And that is almost there. <laughs> like that's well, it's weird because they go so from close. right. Well, they go from like maybe they're honey potting this guy and they're going to extort him. Right, right. Because right. this is the game that where it doesn't get the game as good as Hard Candy necessarily. If this is real, is Hard Candy is 
she put herself out there and he made himself the target by, you know, being a fucking actual pedophile who tried to hunt her down. Right. They are hunting this guy who seemingly had done nothing to bring this on himself and then is just overly tempted in the moment. Again, that's another way to phrase it that Amy was not a huge fan. Of, right. Right. I just don't have the proper way to say that. Well, that's yeah. This is a great. This is like, but, it's like this movie and Revolutionary Road are two great examples of movies you watch with your spouse and you're like, we shouldn't talk about that movie afterwards, should we? Yeah. No, we should not. Well, I, I heard this argument on Twitter a while ago where people are mad, like, can't men and women just be friends? And you're like, I mean, maybe in a universal theme, but I'll tell you what will never happen is I come home to my wife and it's like, hey, where were you? Oh, I was at, uh, you know, Tiffany from Hooters house. We were just watching Dexter season two and, you know, shared some popcorn and it was totally cool. And she's like, no, ah! yeah. <laughs> like that's so like, you know. Maybe in a better world, but this is why, because on a base level, we're all just these fucking just pheromones and chemical signals, man. And yeah, that's what they, and their teenage logic, they're like, it's not right to be monogamous, we're animals. And you're like, well, that's spoken like a dummy, but not altogether wrong, <laughs> right? Like, I, yeah, but yeah, that's what I mean. But the assistant guy had no part, that, see, that's the weird one, because that one felt wrong to me, right? Like. Because he had already cleaned up that statue, too. Yeah. So they would have had to re-vandalize the statue they had already vandalized earlier. Right. So I was like, maybe he felt bad for it and her assistant. Maybe he's worried that he was actually trying to defend her art in a way that he clearly wasn't. I don't know how to phrase it, right? But there was something off about. Also, the assistant finds him and he's just like, I'll run back out and handle this without contemplating a way to, like, handle it. Right. You know, it felt very strange, but then the one that feels 100% real and so cringy and painful is when his therapist, Victoria, shows up. Yeah. Because she's just like this cringy L.A. stereotype that we all know about, right? They're like way too personal. We're therapists, and I'm kind of like a a healer, so like we're going to be best friends. And she starts in on her shit, and you're just sitting there like, get the fuck out of my house. Like, leave my property now. I don't want to do this. Right. And by him trying to, you know, be cool. Then when that girl comes out and like wraps behind him and he has to just face the brunt of Victoria, it's like you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. It's that one felt too like there's nothing campy about that one. No, that's real, man. Like that's the part that That is wildly real. That is like guttural, (laughs) man, because it's not even on a level of like because it's not a level even a level of getting caught like. You can get caught and be cool, I guess. I don't know. I wouldn't be. But Well, I mean, at this day and age, right, statistically speaking, a lot of people have affairs and get divorced. Yeah. Right? So I don't think it's it's weird because the consequences of this movie are so massive compared to something right. that I think is fairly common to a lot of us. But what I think this movie does in a good way, again, I think most of us think about it like, oh, yeah, people just have affairs and get divorces all the time. Yeah. This one shows you just that that up close personal tragedy of that. Right. You know well, what I mean? And, and, but I also think and this is I mean, again, this is because I hey, I know who directed it and I know who wrote it and I know who watched it now is like we're men. We watch it from a very male point of view. 
but I also like I think about the big thing, like the big to me, like the big climactic moment is the free pizza rant, like that whole his whole thing, which it's fucking awesome, which is an amazing piece of writing and totally would have been delivered like an ace by Nicolas Cage. That's the scene where I'm like, Nicolas Cage should have been in this movie. <laughs> he should do that as a quarantine activity. Just like read that monologue for us. But we should see if we can reach him. <laughs> we absolutely should. But like that to me is the quintessential. That is like the essence of this movie at large, which is this is a male driven. This is a male driven horror fantasy, right. essentially, because this is a guy who callously treats these girls and refer, treats these girls poorly and then refers to them as free pizza. Like he pleads his case in the worst way possible. Like I cannot <laughs> I cannot fathom a worse analogy right. than free pizza and pussy like those two but things that is should never be the same equation equation it's not ideal it's not an <laughs> ideal way to like lay out an argument right it's not right. it's not gregory peck is atticus finch level <laughs> you know lawyering but but what i love about that moment is i think he's saying what a lot of the male audience is thinking, 100%. which is like, you came to my fucking house. And, but this is why it's so good is because in saying something that seems true, right, and seems to confess his innocence, you also see this kind of dark underbelly of Evan, right, where right. he's crafted himself as this man. And when they're working as like concubines, right? Like mindless, drooling, sycophantic concubines. Right. Then he likes it. Then he's cool, Evan. But the moment it becomes messy and complicated and they ask him to admit his fucking dirty deed, then he starts lashing out at them. It's your fault. You're the fucking horse. Right. And it's like, you're the one who's fucking married. Yeah, man. Right? Like, you know, better. they're not breaking vows, right? right? You're fucking and you're married. It's your fault. But when he lashes out at them and tries to break them and destroy them. The problem with this scene is that by this point, we already see them committing so many crimes. Right. Like that part comes after an actual murder. Right. Like they've they've actually killed an innocent man. So when Keanu says mean things to them, <laughs> it's not like, oh, you shouldn't say that to them. They right. killed someone. I mean, they're right? not but not culpable. Absolutely. But it shows that but what I think you're right about is it shows this the way he truly thinks like he never saw right. them exactly anything but a way to, you know, make himself feel better right. and better than he was. And I think that is the... And when he got that the next morning and he does the get the fuck out. Granted, they were going all wild things on his kitchen, which is nonsense. Not okay. Not okay. So I, but that's what I mean. I think that that moment is so great because you know, you know there were guys thinking that. Yeah. Well, you know, like, oh, you wanted it. You wanted it. Well, yeah. You finished. And I mean, that's like... You finished before the set. You know? That, it's like, and I mean, that is like the best that's the best example of what it is itself is like you wanted it. Like it's a guy's, it's a great man. It's a great male versus a female argument because a guy in that situation is like, you did it. You were part of this. You whole did the whole thing. And this is like the whole crux of a lot of the arguments, uh, and a lot of what's happened politically in the last few years. But like the best part is, is it ends and all you're sitting there thinking is like, yeah, but, you're married, man. Like you know the rules. Right. Like there are. If they rules came for to you. get you, and then they act crazy after the fact. That's one thing. Right. Only one person 
is breaking a vow and fucking other women in his marital bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you have. <laughs> so that's like. <laughs> it's, it's exactly That's a what really you said hard earlier. thing. You have rules. They don't. Yeah. So like, hey, wife, come lay in the crusty remnants <laughs> of our broken vows. Like, yeah, you're the worst one in this scenario. Granted, th- this is what I mean. Like, there there are some some rough edges and things that don't add up, right? Like, they have a cleaner. How did they know about the monster thing? Did they spy on him? You know, right. maybe death by DJing is not everyone's cup of tea. I personally thought it was fantastic to have a guy who's like a DJ uh, be tortured by the sounds of DJing. Perfect. <laughs> I, I would... I did the French chef kiss. I was like, that is brilliant. <laughs> but that's it. So there, there are moments that are so strange, right? And don't and the pedophile thing is very unusual in this movie. They keep calling him a pedophile as if to justify murdering him. Right. And we don't know that he's... And then at the end, they pretty much say he's not a pedophile. So, like, there are weird... There are weird things that don't add up. You know, they kind of insinuate that he may have assaulted his daughter... You yeah, know, when she's I having like, like her freak out, I feel like they make a lot. Well, I feel like they make a lot of assumptions. Like, I think that that's Anna de Armas's problem. Like, I think but that they were spying on. So they knew his kids called him the monster. But that's what I mean. So there are these moments that are weird and seemingly could connect. But I don't know that they ever do. Right. But again, I don't think that's the worst thing. Right. Like your mind would be going apeshit if this was happening. 100%. You know, I'll tell you the moment. This is the moment that I think really nailed it on the head for me, which is when he's all up to his neck. Right. And he's like, ah, please don't. Please don't. And they're like, we're not going to kill you. Like, we're not savages. You're like, you already killed someone. Right. So the movie does something super stupid, which is, oh, no, we're classy. We're cool people after they've committed an actual murder. Right. Right. But then it cuts to a very interesting moment, which is. We're going to upload uh, the sex on Facebook. The weird thing is, is that they they upload the non-consensual sex versus the the threesome or whatever. Right. That's a weird choice in and of itself. But the thing that this this fucking was like, I was gobsmacked by this. Right, is when he reaches his, he fights his hand out instead of taking the gag out, instead of freeing himself. The first thing he tries to do is delete that social media entrance. Because that's what this all is. Mm-hmm. It's a destruction of the facade of I'm the perfect guy. I am right. this amazing guy, right, who's just been put upon. He's trying to take away everyone's ability to see him for what he is, man. Right. I mean, so, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's, it it's messy for sure. This movie is a messy film. I'll ask you. I had a question for you. The, the weird extra scene at the end when the family comes home. Right. What the fuck did you make of that? I mean, they come in, they see the trash house, and the kid says, Daddy, Daddy had, had a party. party. I mean, to me, is the mom is aghast, and we never see Keanu's face in this moment. I mean, to me, that's just. I don't know. I, mean, I guess, like, to me, that would end up being about that the problem really has just begun. Like, Keanu Reeves. I don't know. I never really I didn't really think about it to be honest with you. It just seemed like a it just yeah. seemed like a tag at the end of like it's a, but I'm like, why add that as an extra tag and like not have the moment where Keanu has to stare his wife in the eyes? Like that would have been a cathartic moment 
for sure for my wife and I would have liked that moment right like that this journey had this kind of right I, I like that emotional ribbon the I wondered I wondered a little bit if that was a key that maybe he fucked those chicks they got up and trashed his house and left and he was still passed out in the bed like the wife had come home and found him and was about to find out what he had done huh the old-fashioned way right and that maybe the nightmarish fantasy of you know her assistant being killed and all that stuff that you know maybe that wasn't the case that's interesting i mean that would make more sense and again it would also factor in a little bit more to how we've been kind of perceiving this like fantasy element to the movie itself yeah because other than that i i could not for the life of me i probably was sitting there rolling around for way longer than i should and i was like there's no reason to show the family returning to the home and not seeing their father i mean right? i feel like the saying elsewhere you know pull <laughs> pull the rug out from under you thing doesn't really work here so because yeah. eli roth's not a guy that's gonna be like that would be too traumatic for the audience to see his kids depression well, you know, I don't know. As they see I don't know. based on based on eli roth's oeuvre i'd say that is probably the closest he's he got to torture porn in this movie is like <laughs> a guy a guy having to like totally fess up to the fact that he had two girls over and definitely totally some good out. porn yeah oh my god dude the moment when he had to run outside to talk to his wife and they were just pressing on the glass oh my god it is such a I mean, it just it's such a perfect capsule of this movie, right? Yeah. Is this this kind of weird male fantasy. But then they put it in this subtext where you're like, oh my God. And that's what I love about this is that the consequences are just fucking so personalized. Oh right? yeah. Like even Fatal Attraction, a lot of that movie happens outside of his home. Yeah. This is in his fucking house where his kids live, right? She's wearing his daughter's outfit and it's so personalized to really because that's what this is like was kind of my final thought. I was talking, you know, I was just sitting there again. This is like me and my wife, like kind of having these like sniping matches. Right. Right. <laughs> and I think the, I think this is healthy for marriages. Right. You're like, all right, let's push some buttons and see what see what comes out. Right. Like a vending that's machine. Right? Part of the deal. Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah. You're like, let, let's let's use this as an ethical, you know, battleground <laughs> so that we never run into these things. And I just said, uh, you know, I was like, was it worth it? Would it would he still walk out of there and be okay at the end? Does he get dug out? He's still rich. He's still an architect. He'll still get you know money. He'll be rich. Like he he's still gonna be fine. He'll still have a different version of that life. He'll still be getting women and whatever. Right. But then I was like, I don't I don't know. Like the thought of having to because that was the scene that was crazy to me. That's another one is where they're like, we'll let you out right now. All you got to do is call your wife and just fess up. Say everything you fucking did to us. And he can't even do it. Yeah. Because at one point, there's a point where she has the gun on him. Right. And she's like, he won't run because he'll shoot me. I'll be like, yeah, fucking shoot me in the back so it looks like a home robbery gone awry. Right. So I can save the dignity of my wife and kids. But see, that's the interesting that was my thing, first too, thought. is like they've already committed murder. What is the point yeah. of not murdering this guy? Like, like it's the psychological because element. they think they think it's going to be a worse price right to pay. it's a matter of torturing him it's a matter of making him pay for like it's the penalty of it's the penalty of comparing them to pizza because yeah, it is weird he has that line where it's like who the fuck are you to judge me you're a murderer yeah and then it's like 
I mean, they're not necessarily, I mean, they are the ones carrying out judgment, but in a way, like, you passed it on yourself. You opened the fucking door, and then you opened your zipper, right? Like, you could have gotten away at the door. You could have passed that one off in a way. Yeah. Once you took out your cock. Like, worst case scenario, you run out to the Uber and be like, dude, take me to B-dubs. <laughs> I'm going to smash wings and cry. And then call the cops and say, there's two nymphomaniacs in my bathroom. Right? right. That's what he could have done. He didn't do that. He went in there and did the, the internet stepbrother. Oh, no, mama catches. All right. <laughs> you know? It was a hard finals week. And so that's. But he, he couldn't even confess at the end because he still thought there was a way he could weasel the fuck out of this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that is the lesson. That is the true lesson of this movie is that there is no there is no getting out of this. If you're going to choose to do this and you're going to choose to be that kind of person, like the logic tree you have to follow, then is there are going to be consequences. There is no consequence for you cheating on your spouse. But that's what I think this movie is. A good thing to watch for a married guy. 100%. Because I think every guy's like, man, if those two women walked into my house. And, and you know, that's what <laughs> I've heard a buddy phrase it this way. He's like, man, if I'm ever going to cheat on my wife, I'm swinging for the fence. And I was like, that's a guy who's going to cheat with like a four. <laughs> like he's saying that now I'm swinging for the fence. I'm like, that's because he's already thinking about cheating. Right. And he's trying to find a justification for it. Sure. But in this wild context, right? Imagine your two dream women showed up at your house soaking wet and just attacked you. And this is the thing. I think we watch it pulled away from the screen as, you know, an audience and with our wives and us arguing during it, right? So there's an extra level of separation from the fantasy element. Right. But I'm just one of those guys. Like, it, this to me plays like Wishmaster, right? There is no movie about getting your your wish or fantasy granted where everything goes right. You don't pay a price for that. Nope. And I think that's the thing. There's a, a little hitch in the movie where he finally gets him in the car, right? And he drops him off at a playground. He comes back and cleans up his shit, and he goes right back to work in 3D printing. And in his mind, he's like, I got away with it. I'll have to pay off my therapist or whatever. Right. But, like, maybe just maybe i'll fucking skate and then he sees that broken picture and all hell breaks loose it's it's it's, it's a, stress inducing it's an anxiety ridden parable for the modern age yeah and that's what they say because every man watches this movie is gonna go would i be the guy that said no i don't want to be a disgrace to my wife to my kids i don't want to have to deal with all this whatever right and they say everyone, no matter how much they love their wife and kids, they never say no. Right. And so I think this movie becomes a very good tool for men. This is exactly why you say no. no. Right. To go back. Let's tie it back to the pizza analogy that you hate so much. There is no free lunches. <laughs> Even pizza. <laughs> Too true. Too yeah. true. You gonna pay on the back end. I don't know. I just think this is a a really well crafted, very slick, thrilling, uh, kind of trashy movie, and I love it, man. It's great. It's a perfect like little B horror movie. It's fun. Yeah, and it even has some weird surreal bits, man. It's fun. 
It's a good movie. It's way better than a fucking sub five on IMDb. Granted, I know everyone's like, why do you care about IMDb's and Rotten Tomatoes, blah, blah, blah. It's not an exact science, but it is a barometer of where people feel about movies. Right. And I feel like this one, if people go back and give it a chance and are ready to watch that kind of – this is one of the great that kind of movies, man. I think you said it, erotic thriller. This is an erotic thriller, and it's really fucking good, and it's really fun, and, you know, it's pretty weird, man. I dig it. I dig it. It is excellent. That's it for Knock Knock. Don't open the fucking door, guys. First the foyer, then your zipper, then your grave. Not all all pizza is that good, guys. (laughs) Now we're doing pizza metaphors. We're just as bad. (laughs) All right, guys, that was it. Uh, The pod is held captive all month. Coming up next, an absolute classic that Alex introduced me to, which I always love when that happens, the Manchurian candidate the sinatra the sinatra og one yeah uh so that's coming up on thursday guys uh if you haven't done it yet we uh had a guest host molly henry come on so good uh friday so for good. a very you, special jim great. henson double feature man yeah she's fantastic it was amazing i can't wait to bring her back for more shows uh guys please take a second leave a rating and review uh especially if you're listening on apple podcast app make sure you're telling all your friends to subscribe on all your social medias we're on everything you can find us there Email the show at film or uh, filmalchemist at gmail.com. Filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Tell us the movies that you uh, would like us to get in the old uh, the old lineup. We had a fan who did it, and we're going to do a whole theme based on a suggestion. So we're listening, guys. Also, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end, so you can see our lovely faces. Me and Alex look very much like the two dream hunks that would show up on your door soaking wet. And then you'd be like, cool, I'm calling Child Protective Services. Yeah, if me and Alex were casting the movie, there'd be a lot more door slamming. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, for the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Green. I'm Alex Dandino.